Hope you're enjoying the revival experience so far. That's what we call these uh, Sunday services because we want you to come in. You know, it's hard living through in the secular world, isn't it? We want you to come in to get refreshed. That's why we call it a revival experience. Amen? If you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. And of course, someone was prophesying my message already. I love that confirmation. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. And it's just one verse. It says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. My message today I want to talk about is the principles of powerful prayer. The principles of powerful prayer. How many want to have a better and more powerful prayer life as a Christian? Amen. Amen. We all should want that because there's power in prayer. You know, this, this life as a Christian, in this life, it's a partnership with God. We are in partnership. The Word says that we are co-laborers with God. Co. We work together with Him. Amen? And part of that laboring, that co-laboring process is through prayer. Prayer is not just some religious exercise you do. Prayer is an absolute power-filled, power-packed thing that will change your life forever. The fact is this, that God needs us. Here you go. Ready for this? God needs us to pray His perfect will into manifestation onto this earth and into situations. Oh, but God can do whatever He wants anytime He wants. Hey, go talk to God about it. He's the one that put this thing into motion. It's all throughout the Word. And I'm going to show you that God is looking for a partnership. Some things will not come to pass in your life or a loved one's life or someone else's life unless we pray for that thing to happen. Quick illustration. Let's say that I'm an owner of a business. Someone comes into my place of business, right? Paul, you have a business. Someone comes into your place of business and someone wants to make changes. But that person who came in doesn't have the authority to make the change, right? Because he's not the owner. He's given the suggestion of, of a change. Now, Paul, on the other hand, could say, you know what? I like that change. I like that suggestion. We're going to do it. Are you hearing me? This is the concept in a spiritual sense. We as Christians have been given authority on this earth. And the Holy Spirit is the one prompting us and telling us how to pray, what to do. Amen. I told, Many people say, well, God's the pilot of my life. No, 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 no. He's your co-pilot. You're the pilot of your life. Because if he was the pilot of your life, there's some things you probably wouldn't have done in your life. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Anybody breathing in here today? He's the co-pilot. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps. We're called to be the doers of the word. We're called to make the right decisions. So the Holy Spirit is there to help us. He's sitting there in that co-pilot seat. I think you should add flaps now. We say, no, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to do that. Then we end up crashing. Amen. Amen? The Holy Spirit is following the chain of command on this earth that God himself has put into motion. 
he knows that he needs, the Holy Spirit knows that he needs a willing person to pray his perfect will into manifestation on this earth. Why do you think demons and the devil fight so hard to get your attention? Because they know they need a willing vessel for their will to come to pass. So the question is, what kingdom are you yielding to? Amen? Oh, come on. As I said before, some things will not come to pass in your life or on this earth without you specifically praying for that thing. Have you ever, when you start, you know, when you get into prayer, you're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And all of a sudden, a floodgate of thoughts of all the thousands of things you need to do around the house come to You sit down, all of a sudden, the cell phone rings. Something happens. Satan knows the power of prayer. And he will do anything to try to stop you from doing it. Don't let him do it. He can only try to hinder. He can only try, but you can overrule him. Because listen to this. Oh, come on. Your free will is greater than the devil's power. The devil cannot make you do anything. The fact is you need to, co- you, you need to cooperate with him. That, that's, that's what he wants. He wants you to cooperate with him. Amen? Don't do it. Don't give him that satisfaction. Amen? I'll go a step further. There are certain things that God wants to come to pass on this earth. But unless there is a yielded vessel to pray those things, they're not going to happen. Say yielded. yielded. You know what yielded means, right? When there's a yield sign, it means, say, you know, you're going 50 mile an hour down a road and you see an intersection and there's a yield sign. What does that mean? Slow down. Hold on. Slow down now. Be cautious. Look. Because there's, there could be potential danger. That's why yielding to the Holy Spirit, it means slow down. Get the Holy Spirit's mind on what you're going through. Holy Spirit, how do you want me to handle this situation? What Holy Spirit, man, I'm going through a tough time right now. Show me what to do. Yield. Slow down. And acknowledge Him. Amen? Amen. Acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path, right? Proverbs 3. Uh, 5 and 6. Now, go with me to Ezekiel 22. Let's blow your mind a little bit here. Let's blow your mind. Because dead religion says, eh, prayer doesn't matter because God's going to do whatever He wants to do anytime He wants to do it. Oh, really? Is that what it says? Let's take a look here. Ezekiel 22, 30 through 31. And it says this, this is right right here. Listen to this. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap. Underline that. And stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. And I have recompensed their deeds on... Uh, their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. Now listen, that God was looking for a person. We call them this, an intercessor. Someone who's willing to pray. When you're praying, you're standing in the gap for someone. Amen? 
He said, I was looking for someone to stand in the gap between me and between that evil land. Does this sound familiar? Oh, United States of America. Come on, somebody. This is a huge piece of evidence right here that reveals the importance of prayer and the authority that God has given us on this earth. We need to be praying for our country. Listen, our prayers are powerful and they have the potential to alter the future and make history. An example is the Roe v. Wade overturn. I don't care what you say. This is an absolute miracle of God. Did anybody really believe that you would see this thing turn around after 50 years? This is an absolute miracle and the Democrats are going nuts. It's liberal meltdown time, baby, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. Come on, somebody. I'm loving it. It's absolute murder. Abortion is murder. Amen? So, yes, we got to go state to state and knock this thing off. But come on, from a federal level, this is absolutely huge. This is huge. So all this rioting and all this violence that you're seeing, uh, if you've never seen a demon manifest, turn on the news. That's what it looks like for demons manifesting in people. Bloodthirsty. Come on, somebody. It's bloodthirsty. Abortion is murder. I will preach it from this pulpit all day long. And no Christian should be voting for any politician that is for abortion. There's no disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ will ever vote for a politician that is for abortion or anything that's for the word or against the word. This is your voter guide, ladies and gentlemen. This is your pastor speaking. This is your voter guide, right? Some people told me, well, I just voted for them because of, you know, economic reasons. And I said, oh, so you just lifted money above the word of God then. See? Come on, somebody. That's why the Democrats throw all these things out money-wise. They're trying to buy the vote. Absolutely. Amen. Come on. If we are Christians, if we are followers, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to vote righteous people into the government. Amen. But listen, there is unlimited power in the life of a person who is completely yielded to the Holy Spirit's promptings and leadings in prayer. It's the ultimate partnership. Think about it. God and man. That is absolutely amazing. The Word of God says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You know what I'm talking about? In unity. In unity. So when you're joined to the Lord, you're going to feel about certain things the way God feels about those things. Amen? If you're, if you're, if you're for something that the Word of God is against, that's the flesh. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, I'm bold. I'm bold from the pulpit. Come on. How else are Christians going to learn about this stuff? This is why this country is a wreck right now. Because it's not being preached from the pulpit. Amen. I don't care if it's a political party. I'll call it out. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Has anyone read the Bible before? Oh, well, pastors shouldn't get involved in politics. You look in the Word of God. God sent prophets to kings. God sent prophets to queens. God, I'm telling you, it's written all through there. Politics. God has a heart for politics. Did you know that? 
You want to know why? Because it affects people's lives. Anything that affects people's lives, God is in. So things like abortion, homosexuality, and all that, people try to say it's a political issue. Baloney, it is a moral issue. It's a word of God issue. Amen? Now, Psalm 109, verse 4 says this, I will give myself unto prayer. I like that. I will give myself unto prayer. Why? So that the purposes of God can be fulfilled on the earth. See, it's a giving of yourself. It's You are a living sacrifice unto God. Give yourself as a living sacrifice. I don't know about you, but it is a sacrifice. When you, when you, hey, nope, sorry, I can't go out tonight. I'm going to spend time in the Word. I'm going to spend time praying tonight. There, you are a living sacrifice every time you give yourself unto prayer. Think about that. In fact, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says that, in fact, it goes on to say this, that your body is not your own. You have been bought with a price. You understand that? You're not your own. You've been bought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. Giving yourself to prayer is the ultimate submission. It's the ultimate submission to the plans and the purposes of God on this earth. Look at Isaiah 26. Go there with me. Isaiah 26. Hallelujah. Someone once said, if you feel like your toes are getting stepped on, you're standing in the wrong place. If you hear something that bothers you from a pastor preaching or something, you feel like your toes are getting stepped on, stepped on when he's preaching the word, your toes are in the wrong place. Your feet are in the wrong place. Amen? Amen? Meaning you better get back in the boundary within the word of God. That's where your safety is. That's where your protection is. That's where the benefits of the gospel are. Amen. Isaiah 26, verse 9. Mm-mm-mm. It says, With my soul... I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Now, I love where it says, I will seek you early. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about putting God first before anything else in your life. It means seeking him means to pray. It means to talk with Him. It means to have a relationship with Him. Seek Him early. Seek Him early. You know, I mean, some people say, well, that's talking about just praying in the morning. Well, what if you work the midnight shift? No, all it means is putting Him first in your life, right? Put God first in your life. I want you to notice something. Listen, let's get a little deeper on this one. I want you to notice that it says, about our soul. Now, our soul is our mind, will, and emotions, right? It says that our soul can only desire God. Say desire. desire. But our spirit man is the only one that seeks and connects with him. You are spirit, soul, and body. You have three parts to you. Amen? So your soul, your mind, will, and emotions... Can, uh, can only desire God, but to actually seek and connect with Him, it has to be on a spiritual level. Go with me to John 4. 
Now, this is important because a lot of Christians try to seek God with head knowledge. They try to seek him with their emotions. Let me, I don't know if you figured this out yet in life, but your emotions will kind of let you run astray from God. So many Christians are frustrated because they're trying to only seek God with their emotions. You can't do that. Your emotions will always deceive you. Amen. Look at this. John 4, 23 through 24. It says, But the hour is coming, Jesus said, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) And truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, or God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. In other words, not with your emotions. Christians who are carnally minded and led by their flesh. In fact, we're supposed to renew our mind with the word of God. Right? When you get born again, right? Your spirit man gets born again, but your soul doesn't. Your mind doesn't. That's why it says you have to renew your mind with the word of God. And when you renew your mind with the word of God, the, the best that the soul can do is desire God, not connect with him. Come on. Oh, this is, I know, I know, I know we're going deep here. Jump in the river with me a little bit. But Christians who are carnally minded and led by their flesh, they will not have a meaningful prayer life because they can only seek after and connect with God at the spirit level. Amen? And they are only allowing their flesh to dominate them. That's why it's called being carnal-minded. You're a carnal Christian, right? And so uh, go with me to Matthew 6, 8. Matthew 6, 8. Let's jump on that bandwagon here. I'm talking about principles of powerful prayer today. You need to know this. Matthew 6, verse 8. Because this ministry, I'm telling you right now, is built on prayer. This, this ministry, the jet pack of this ministry is prayer. Amen? So, I want my people to know how to pray. Right? I don't want to stand before God one day and say, have him say, James, why didn't you teach your people how to pray? What, because, James, you passed up so many things that they could have had in their personal lives. You passed up many people that this church could have reached with effective prayer. We need to know how to pray. This is, this is not just about your, your desire. This is about the kingdom of God. Amen? Yeah. All right, Matthew 6, 8. Therefore, it says, do not be like them, for their father knows that they that uh, knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, what this is talking about, Jesus basically is saying the world seeks after things in the natural. But Jesus is saying, don't seek after things, seek after him. Amen. Make him seek him first. Right. So. Of course God knows. Here's what I want to touch on. God knows what we have need of in our lives. Would everyone agree with that? God's all-knowing. He knows it all, right? He knows. But we are still expected to ask. Did you catch that? 
Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of them before, underline it, before you ask him. Jesus is saying, yeah, he knows what you need before you ask. In other words, we're still required to ask. Why? Because we have authority on this earth. And there's a real devil trying to stop the blessings from coming into our life. Amen. So we're, ex- we're still expected to ask for our needs to be met because prayer activates the power of God in our life and it allows Him to move on our behalf. Here's, here's what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, prayer is an invitation. Let me say it again. Cool. we got some revelation popping here. Listen, prayer is an invitation. Prayer is a granting of permission for him to move in your life or in a situation. Jesus, when it comes to prayer, Jesus is our greatest, greatest example. Go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Hallelujah. Well, James, you probably shouldn't talk much about those, uh, that abortion stuff and, and homosexuality stuff from the pulpit. You're not going to have anyone in your church. I don't care. See, I, I'm not going to sacrifice my crown for a crowd. But here's what I believe of God. I believe there's a remnant in this area that are tired of hearing watered-down messages that are tired of hearing powerless messages. I think there's a remnant who wants to hear the straight-up Word of God. And you know what? I think this place is going to bust its walls out one day. So we're going to continue to preach the Word. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Luke 11.1. 1. Luke 11.1. 1, it says this, Now it came to pass, as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, there was something in Jesus' prayer life that sparked an interest. Something they seen in Jesus' prayer life that they said, I want some of that. Come on, somebody. Jesus is our greatest example on prayer. There was something that stirred a hunger on the inside of them. Go to Luke chapter 6. Just back up with me a little. Luke 6, 12. I feel like the fire of the Holy Ghost is in here today. Woo! Hallelujah. Luke 6, 12. It's hot up here. Here we go. It says, Now it came to pass in those days that he... Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All night in prayer to God. A lot of us can't even make it for 15 minutes. Are you kidding me? Jesus, let me remind you now. Jesus was a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our example. Jesus, and I talked about this last night at the healing service, Jesus knew how to keep his anointing tank full by prayer, meaningful prayer. Amen. If you want to walk in the power of God, it's not going to happen without meaningful prayer in your life. Do you think Jesus was tired after ministering all day with everybody thronging him and just pulling on him all the time, right? 
He was given himself to prayer so that the plans and purposes of his heavenly Father would come to pass on this earth. The disciples recognized that Jesus connected in such an intimate way with his heavenly Father. And he was seeing amazing results. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Acts 10.38. We got a guy putting a fan on up here. (laughs) Here's the deal. Say Holy Spirit and power. In fact, go with me. Say it. Holy Spirit and power. Look at Acts 10.38 real quick. (laughs) I see everyone was watching him walk down. Don't worry, he's safe, everyone. (laughs) But thank you for looking out for your pastor. I appreciate it. All right. (laughs) Look at this, Luke 10.38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Notice they were separate. Holy Spirit and power. There's some people that they have the Holy Ghost, but they're not walking in power. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. Jesus' prayer life was effective. It worked because he knew how. Here it is. Jesus knew how to work the spiritual laws in his favor by prayer. Come on, somebody. He had a level of intimate communication with his heavenly father that created a hunger and a thirst in his followers. Amen? Wow. Isn't that, that's so much like a leader. That's how a leader should be, right? They, they should be that example that stirs that hunger, that desire for more of God, to know his heart even more. Amen? That's what Jesus did. And it became such an overpowering thing in the disciples that finally someone said, okay, Jesus, all right, we've seen enough. How do we pray? (laughs) Tell us, what are you doing, right? But he didn't walk in that power. Listen, because he was the son of God. Remember, like I just said, he he was a man on this earth anointed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Just like us. He's called in some places in the word, the son of God. Son of God because he had a heavenly father. And then he's called the son of man in some places because he had an earthly mommy. Hello, somebody. Right? Jesus is our example. And we as Christians can experience that same kind of prayer life that Jesus had. Isn't that good to know? Anytime you read something in the Word of God, I don't. Here, here's what happened to me. As I was reading the Word after I got saved and throughout the years and I was reading the Word, there was such a hunger and a thirst that, that just was rising up within me. Reading about the power of God, the miracles, signs, and wonders. And I said, finally, it came to the point where I would, this was when I was pastoring actually in Big Rapids. There was times when I was walking in the sanctuary praying and I'd go up to the wall and I'd just knock and say, God, I want more than, more than this. I want to I walk beyond this natural realm. I want to experience your power. This is great reading about it. I love reading about it, but I want to experience it. Who wants to experience the power of God? I do. We're meant to live for so much more on this earth. Amen? Amen. So let that hunger stir up within you. Come on, as you read the word. Amen? Amen? The power of God, miracle signs and wonders did not cease when the last apostle died. That's a lie from the devil. 
Can you imagine the last person in line to receive prayer, right? The apostle Paul, whoever was, dies, right? And then you're just standing there like, guess that's it. I guess I'm out of luck. How dumb. Boy, the devil's stupid, isn't he? No, no, no. The fact is what you read in the word of God still happens today. If God had to part a sea for you, he would part it for you. Amen. Come on, let that faith rise up on the inside of you. Don't let the devil steal that from you. Amen? Now, here's a key to prayer. Don't pray to be seen by others or just to put on a show. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I want to welcome everyone watching around the world on Facebook Live right now. Welcome to Carroll, Michigan, Living Waters Chapel. Silas, our sound guy, was saying, last night everything went nuts. We couldn't stream. We, the, the, everything with the, the um, thermostat, things were just going nuts. And he came in this morning expecting you know, to, to fix all these things. He said, everything's working perfectly now. The devil didn't like that service last night. I love it. I love it. We're going to push the kingdom of God down his throat like never before. Amen? Matthew 6, 5 and 6. Look look at this. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in, in, in the secret place. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Does that mean you can't go and pray, do a prayer walk or pray on the corner? No. He's talking about your heart issues. Are you hearing me? This passage is referring to your motive for praying. A hypocrite is someone who just wants to look spiritual. Look at me, our Father who art in heaven. You following me? Come on. Right? <laughs> you, want, you want to come against some of that dead religion, start praying to God, calling him Daddy God for a moment. <laughs> come on, that'll really cut it down. Right? <laughs> I, I seen a meme on Facebook that said that. It was I just rolled laughing, but... Right? It's talking about your motive for praying. You don't want to be seen. No. You want it to be a connection with the Lord. And a hypocrite does not connect. A hypocrite does it out of their soul, their emotions, where you cannot connect with God. Come on, somebody. If, if you're praying just for people to see how spiritual you are, you will not be rewarded for that. The Word of God says you have your reward. You want to be seen by people and, and just to look, look spiritual? Well, people who are going to say, wow, isn't he spiritual? Probably unsaved people saying that. That's your reward. No reward from your Heavenly Father. Are you hearing me? All right. So here's another point that I want to put together that where we, something that, deals with the heart issue, the motive, right? Is fasting. 
fasting and prayer, they are powerful together. They're a, fasting and prayer is a breakthrough combination. Look at Matthew 6, verse 16 now. Jump down to 16 with me. It, now, I'm going to be doing a sermon, a whole sermon on fasting, but I wanted to touch on it here because it has to do with prayer. And this has to do with your heart uh, attitude. It said, Jesus, Jesus said this, by the way. He said, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. Jesus doesn't like hypocrites too much. Are you kind of getting that? Don't be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Oh, you're so spiritual, right? Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. That's a promise. Now, I want you to notice something very important about that passage. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. Jesus expects us as Christians at times to fast. Just like he expects you to pray. Just like he expects you to read the word. Just like he expects you to be a doer of the word. Jesus expects you to add fasting to your spiritual life. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Now, what is fasting? Fasting is an abstaining from food. All right? Now, that's the real meaning of fasting, is abstaining from food for a period of time. Right? Now, if you have medical issues, you better seek a doctor. All right? First of all. But, But it's also, you could take it this way, abstaining from anything fleshly that's pulling you away from God. Kenneth Hagin said it this way. We ought to live a fasted life. Come on, somebody. Fast. Pull away from anything, right? I'm not going to watch TV for a week. I'm not going to watch it for two. You know what? Take something away. Come on. That you realize that you have made an idol in your life. What's an idol? An idol is anything you've lifted above God, that you've put above God. It's time to knock those idols down. Amen? Now, so fasting is not for show, but rather a personal heart issue between you and God. And and by the way, fasting does not change God. God's word says what it says. The promises of God say what they say. Fasting changes us. It puts you more in tune with the Holy Spirit. It allows your born-again spirit to, to overtake the flesh. I'm telling you, there is a battle when you fast. I'll tell you what, you will, when you try fasting food for a period of time, you will. You, you will never have so many, uh, your movie screen of your imagination will so, see so many baby back ribs and, and Big Macs and even Whoppers. Oh, come on, somebody. I mean, when you try to fast, your flesh wants to overtake. And the devil, he wants you to stop. He wants you to break that fast. But I'll tell you this. Let me tell you this. 
when you do a three-day fast, the first couple days, the first two or three days are miserable. You're good, you, you have, you know, you got kind of a headache. You're drinking water, you know, juice, whatever, liquids. You feel miserable because your body's literally detoxing. There's health benefits to fasting, all right, and spiritual. They go together. Interesting, right? It makes me wonder how much our diet then affects us not hearing from God. I wonder how much of those toxins in our body silence our spirit, close our spiritual ears from hearing. See, we, uh, th- this all ties in together. So the first two or three days, you're going to feel miserable. You're going to have like a little bit of a headache, a lot of a bit of a headache. But listen to this. On the third day, I kid you not, you will feel like Superman with a cape on. You will. I mean, all of a sudden that hunger is gone. You are at a state. I mean, you, you it's amazing. I, I can't even explain it. it it's really a, a heavenly experience. So, but if you have any health issues, talk to your physician before you do it. All right. But there are amazing benefits with fasting. I did want to bring that up. And I'm going to talk more about it in the future here. And I think in the near future, I'm going to call the church to a fast. Hey, let's all fast as a group for a certain amount of time. Amen. So, um, you know, so here's the deal. Some prayers require perseverance, pressing through, continue to pray. But there's some things that don't. In some prayers, a persistence demonstrates a lack of faith. Daniel, remember Daniel, it said he prayed for 21 days. He fasted and prayed for 21 days. When the angel finally arrived, when the angel finally overcome that demonic spirit, that evil principality that was hindering the answer from coming, when it showed up, it told Daniel, Daniel, I was released the first day you prayed. The moment you prayed, I was dispatched from heaven. If Daniel wouldn't have persisted in that prayer, he would have forsook the revelation that God was trying to give him. Now, So some prayers, some situations require perseverance, some don't. How do you know? Be led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you're trying to live this life without the Holy Spirit, you're you're in a world of hurt. The Holy Spirit is, is the greatest dispatcher in the universe. He knows and sees everything that's going on. That's why he gives us instructions on how to go around the traps of the enemy, how to come against the enemy. Should I continue to press in for this thing or am I wasting my time? Is this really the will of God or is it not? Are you following me? So being led by the Holy Spirit, that's the top priority as a Christian. Amen? All right. Next. The next point. I'm almost done here. Um, Matthew 6, 7 and 8. Do not use vain repetition when praying. Do not use vain repetition when praying. Matthew 6, 7, and 8. Look at this. And when you pray, not if you pray, come on, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things that you have needed before you ask Him. And then He goes on with the Lord's Prayer. But vain repetition. Prayer is dialogue. 
right? It's not a monologue. In other words, it's two-way communication. Vain repetition is you keep... T- have, you, have you ever had a conversation with someone and they didn't let you get a word in edgewise and you just checked out? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Let's be real. Just, just kept going, kept going, kept going. Oh, time to go. Vain repetition. Marianne and I were talking coming up here, and she said before she was saved, before bed, after partying and drinking at the bar, she would be home drunk, and she would say the Our Father before going to bed. Just in case she died. That's vain repetition. (laughs) No, that wasn't last night. Come on. She's been saved for a while. That was... uh, Come on. Everybody has a past, right? Gosh. That's, this is our testimony. This is our testimony. Jesus delivered us from this trash, from this junk. Amen? So prayer is a... Come on. Pastor's real up here. You can talk to me about anything here. Prayer is a dialogue. Die, meaning two. It's a, it's a two-way communication between you and your heavenly Father. And vain repetition is simply religious babbling with no expectation to hear from your heavenly Father. Are you hearing me? There's absolutely no anointing attached to it. The Bible calls that a dead work. Say dead work. The Bible talks about dead works, and that's one of them. You're doing something because you think you're earning brownie points by doing it. But you're simply doing it just to satisfy your own conscience, your own emotions. There's the emotion thing again. Are you, are you catching the com- what I'm seeing here? I'm seeing the Holy Spirit kind of putting this thing together. Don't be led by your emotions. Amen? Now, let me kill a sacred cow right now. you mind? All right. Now, some people say, what's a sacred cow? All right. A sacred cow... Uh, is an expression that stands for a religious man-made tradition. It has absolutely no standard in the Word of God, right? It's a man-made thing. It's, it's worthless, right? Um, it's something that a person holds so dear to them, religiously speaking, but it doesn't mean a hill of beans to God. You're wasting your time. So let me, let me talk about this because I think it's important. I know it's important. And, and I know we minister to a lot of people. So this praying to Mary stuff, this praying to uh, dead saints, if you will, that Catholicism does, all right? Uh, the Bible calls it necromancy or trying to talk to the dead. Come on, somebody. It's an abomination to God. It's an abomination to God. Oh, James, you're going to hurt someone's feelings. You're going to offend someone. Listen, they need to be pulled out of that pit. They need to be pulled. If I didn't care about them, I'd stay silent about it. I want people to know the word and to connect with their heavenly father and be saved. Amen. Amen. Now, here's the deal. If you've ever been involved in that, I'll tell you right now, being in the deliverance ministry, one of the first things I do, someone who, who gets, you know, comes for deliverance ministry and they had uh, ties to Catholicism in the past, one of the first thing I do, we renounce those ties. It's necromancy. First Timothy 2.5, let's, let's tell you what the Bible really says. It says there is one God, 
and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator, not many. Now, someone once said, yeah, but you Christians are praying to the dead. You pray to Jesus. No, he rose from the dead. Come on, somebody. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. In fact, he walked this earth 40 days after his resurrection before he ascended up into heaven. Amen. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus makes intercession for us in heaven. I love that. Amen. By the way, by the way, you do not have to be appointed or voted on becoming a saint after you're dead. Because the Bible says that every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a saint. Stop calling yourself a sinner. Sinner, saint. It's not saying you'll never sin in your life. It's talking about your spiritual nature. If you're born again through Jesus Christ, your spiritual nature, you are a saint. You are no longer, you no longer have that sin nature in your spirit, man. Stop calling yourself a dirty sinner. You know what happens? People who do that, people who constantly call themselves a sinner, guess what direction they go in life? Sin. I found out people that confess who they are in Christ usually follow that way with Christ. Amen. We've got to straighten our thinking out here. Amen. So... Um, so you are a saint if you're born again. Now, the Catholic... Yeah, I'm going to keep on this boat right now, okay? The Catholic religion lifts Mary up to the same plane. And I'll even say, sometimes above Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? They got statues of her. Number one, that's forbidden. Worshiping statues. Hello, somebody. I, I know I know some, sto- some accounts in the Word of God where they worship statues. Hello. The Bible says that, this is what the Bible says about Mary. It says she was blessed to be chosen as the virgin to carry Jesus in the womb. But she is not to be worshipped or exalted above any other human being. Mary was just like you and I. She was blessed to carry Jesus, but she's just like you and I. Come on. Amen. Now, let me show you a scripture that, that's kind of interesting that ties into this. Uh, in, in the word here, there's a woman that approached Jesus and she tried to exalt Mary to Jesus. Go to Luke chapter 11. Let me show you something here. My, my, my. Oh, sacred cows. We're going to have a feast with steaks up here in a minute, ladies and gentlemen. You like steak? All right, me too. All right. Luke 11. Luke 11, verse 27 through 28. Look at this. This is interesting. And it happened as he, Jesus, spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. Look at Jesus' comeback. I love it. He said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He's saying this, okay, calm down, lady. <laughs> calm down, lady. More than that, more than what you just said about Mary, blessed are those who hear the word and be in their doers of the word. 
That's Jesus' response to the worship of Mary. We don't do it, ladies and gentlemen. There's one we worship, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, have you noticed that a lot of religions change their doctrine ever so, ever so often, right? Like, you know, like at, at the spur of the moment, the Pope, the Pope could, uh, could just say, well, I want to change this foundational belief right here, right? And they change something like that. But stick to the Word of God. The Word of God is unchangeable. Listen, it will keep you from going into the ditch. And by the way, the Word of God does not change with the culture. The Word of God stays the same. It's, it, it's the foundation of the Christian faith. If you have a problem with the Word, you have a problem with the foundation of your Christian faith. Amen? Amen. Now, quickly go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Hallelujah. Boy, the devil sure didn't like this weekend very much at Living Waters Chapel. Amen? Whew, glory. Glad to do it. Now, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Look at this. This is talking about prayer now. It says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires? Desires. What, where does desires take place, by the way? Your emotions. Your soul. Desires for pleasure that war in your members. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is the New Testament, ladies and gentlemen. This is not the Old Testament here. Does this not, does this not blow the whole, the whole seeker-sensitive thing right out of the water? Right? Woo! Right? It just blows it out of the water. I mean, he's calling a, people who are friends. He's talking about the world system. Right? The world system. It says anyone that's going to connect with that world system, you're an adulterer and an adulteress. Because you know what? If you're a Christian, you are married to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God takes it very, very serious. Husbands, wives, how would you feel if your husband or wife stepped out on you? How much more in a spiritual sense does God look at that? He just told us. Now, my, my, my. The Scripture shows us why we don't receive certain things from God. Thank God for the Word. Thank God for the instructions in the Word. We, here's, here's some reasons why we don't receive things from God in our prayers. It said two things. Number one, because number one, we don't ask. We're lazy. Right? God, has, God knows what you have need of before you ask. You have not because you ask not. The one spiritual law is asking. Man, that's powerful. 
He wants that invitation, number one. Number two, because you ask a miss. You miss the target. That Why? Why did you miss the target? That you may consume it on your own lust or pleasures. That, my friends, is talking about our motive for asking for something. God, give me a mansion. I'm not asking too much. Right? Well, God knows if he gave that to you, you'd probably run yourself in the grounds. Hello. And a whole bunch of others with you. Right? All right. Now, so I thought that was very interesting to pull out. Number one, you don't have because you ask not, uh, because you don't ask, and because you ask amiss, because your motives are wrong. Always check your motives. If your motive is off, if your motive has the flesh in it, save your breath and get right with God. Okay? The last thing I want to talk about right here, and I'm done, I promise. See, it's the last page right here, okay? Here it goes. Unspoken requests are unscriptural. I got to say it. I I know a lot of people in the body of Christ do it, right? I understand. But I got to teach it as a pastor. I, I wouldn't be doing you any justice or helping you if I didn't. Unspoken prayer requests are unscriptural. You know, here's the deal. If you don't feel comfortable enough with sharing it, pray for it yourself. Right? If you don't feel comfortable, if you can't find one person to share it with, to come into agreement with you, keep it to yourself and pray between you and your Heavenly Father. I've had people ask me, not here in in this church, but in general, I have had people, because I worked at the Abundant Life Prayer Group at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa while I was going to Ramah for two years in the prayer tower. And, And man, some of the prayer requests were just crazy, ladies and gentlemen. It was crazy. I've had some people ask me, agree with them in prayer, and I would say, what would you like me to agree with you for? And they would say, oh, it's un, it's unspoken. And I would say, first off, how can I agree with you for something that I have no idea what it is? Right? Secondly, how do I know? Come on. How, am I, how, how do I know I'm, I'm coming into agreement with something that might be unscriptural? If you don't want to tell anyone you, that you need prayer for a certain thing, You're on your own. Save the drama and get in your own prayer closet. Come on, somebody. Come on. No, I'm not picking on anybody, but I'm just saying in general, I have to teach it. Because the Word of God, when it talks about prayer, it talks about the power of agreement. If you want power in prayer, find someone you trust. Amen. Amen. I know that can be hard. I know. Especially people who've maybe been burnt before. You ever been burnt before by another Christian? You told them something and they went out and spread it like wildfire? It's horrible. I, I know. I get it. But find someone. If, you, if not, just go into, your, go into your prayer closet and pray for it. Amen? So I hope I gave you some points to meditate on for this week. All right, and and the power of prayer and how to be effective in prayer, uh, but it's so evident, people, that from Genesis to Revelation, that God is looking for partnership with His people in prayer. Don't allow the devil to distract you anymore 
from being a faithful ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Church, our Heavenly Father, He's given every one of us authority and power to shape the future, to shape your own future, to shape the future of this country. Amen? Woo! Why? I feel like I'm giving a presidential speech right now. Let's not waste the opportunity, but let's take advantage of it in the name of Jesus. Let's stand up in this place. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you for the power in prayer. We thank you that you've counted us worthy, that you even want to co-laborer with us. Maybe there's someone in this place you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You've never made him Lord of your life. Today is the day of salvation. Please do not leave this building until you made him Lord of your life. Come up here after service and we want to take, we'll take all the time we need to pray with you, whatever you're going through. But let's get you born again. Let's get you on the right track for your life. Maybe there's someone in here, you made Jesus Lord of your life a long time ago, but man, you've fallen away. If you want to rededicate your life, come. Come forward and we want to pray with you. Let's just settle it. Let's rededicate. Let's get the devil off your back today. Amen. Maybe there's someone in here, you're a Christian, but you never received the Holy Spirit baptism. If you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. I want you to meet us up here. And we want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you to receive power, to be a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need prayer for healing, deliverance, uh, anything, prayer for a family member, anything, we will be up here after service. Visitors, thank you so much. Make sure you fill out a visitor's card. Don't worry. We're not going to hound you. That's one thing. I hate hounding people. You know, every time we've gone to the church, a church in the past, you know, people hound us. We don't do that. But we would like your contact information, you know. But uh, anyways, mark your calendar. Uh, the next healing service is Saturday, August 20th. Prayer on Tuesday on the phone. Go to livingwaterschapel.org. All the information's there. Wednesday night prayer. Is there anything else I need to say? All right, take, I'm telling you, uh, let's up our prayer game. Amen, people? If you need me, grab one of my cards, give me a call. We'll meet, I'll meet with you anytime you want. So have a great week, everyone. We love you. Thanks so much for coming today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.